Welcome to Social Proof, a podcast about influence brought to you by Soapbox. We're in the business of social media and influencer marketing. So we talk to people every day who've built brands, fans, and followers. We're intrigued by the idea of influence. What makes certain people so compelling? Join us each and every week as we raise our glasses with captivating individuals and dig into what it means to develop a personal brand and have true influence. Cheers to real people and riveting stories. Hey, welcome to Social Proof, a podcast about influence brought to you by Soapbox. I'm Beth. Yeah, welcome. I'm Nate. And we are thrilled today to have our friends Stuart and Gail from Collie Power with us. Hi, guys. Hi. Hello. Hey, great to see you and and hear you for those listening in. Maybe you can uh, tell the few people in the world who have been living under a rock and don't know who you are, um, exactly who you are and, and what you do with yourselves. So I'm Gail, and I'm the founder of Calling Power. Um, I founded the company about in, um, I left corporate America in May of 2016. I launched the company in February 2017. And about two years ago this week, I convinced this guy (laughs) uh, to join the company uh, and become our chief marketing officer. I love it. And chief marketing and growth I love it. Gosh, I must have met you right after that, Stuart, while it was still a literal honeymoon, right? <laughs> I think it's been a couple of years. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was, for those that don't know, we actually weren't living together. I was living in New York and uh, Gail was obviously living and working in LA. So when she convinced me to come and work for her, she actually uh, required me to come and live with her as well. So that was... <laughs> By the way, if anyone's wondering, we are married. Yeah. Otherwise, we wouldn't be sitting this close together. An awkward business be- arrangement. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So basically, Beth, what we we went from being married and living working at for two separate companies in two different cities to being married, living in the same city, (laughs) working for the same company, and then going through quarantine in the same house for some three hundred days. Now I love it. I need a glass of wine. Yes, I was like, cheers! (laughs) You have earned it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, one of one of the things that I'm excited to dig into, well, a couple of things, Gail, because we've conversed through the years and have gotten to know each other a little bit through some mutual acquaintances in the retail world. Um, but I love that you, as I recall, have a background in PR, truly an influencer yourself. So can you tell us a little bit about that and then the social media connection that led you to uh, create Collie Power? Sure. So, you know, it's interesting because I didn't know anything about food when I started Collie Power, other than I cooked it, bought it, and and, and ate it. Um, but I did know a little something about PR and marketing. Uh, I'd worked for one of the largest, you know, PR and marketing companies in the world. And, um, you know, it was an interesting perspective because I had advised a lot of companies in that role. And sometimes they took my advice, sometimes they didn't take my advice. And um, so it was really, you know, one of the things I loved about starting Collie Power was that all of the sort of marketing and PR insights that I had learned over the years, um, I finally got to put into action. Uh, and, you know, Collie Power was really born as an earned 
you know, an earned first brand, everything mm-hmm. we did, because that's all we could afford, mm-hmm. quite frankly. Yeah. So everything we did was really PR and social driven. And that's how we launched the brand. I love it. And do I recall that it was it was kind of a Pinterest fail is your your story there? Yes, it was a big Pinterest fail. Um, actually, uh, you know, my, both my boys have celiac disease. And I think like all parents, I had always tried to find them, you know, healthier ways of, of getting, you know, nutrients into their bodies. And I stumbled across cauliflower crust pizza one night. Uh, there were five, there were like 569,000 recipes on the internet. I picked one. It was okay. It wasn't great. It was all right. Uh, and my sons asked me if I were going to make it again. And I said, there is no way I'm making that again <laughs> because it took 90 minutes to make a pizza crust after I got home from a full day right, of work. Right. Um, but I said to them, I'll tell you what, I'll find it for you. And I looked everywhere. I looked um, in stores. I looked online. I couldn't find it. And so I sort of, you know, it was one of the things that led me to the idea is, I know I'm going to quit my job and start a company called Cauliflower. Naturally. And, that, and that's what I did. Uh, one little addendum to the story that actually I haven't told anyone yet, this being just after the holidays, I was going through all my recipes and I just uncovered that recipe that I made. Oh, I love it. That first and only time. I love it. Wow. But only half of it. <laughs> but only half of it. It was only one page there. No wonder it didn't come out so well. That's amazing. I think, I think part of what you're saying about about social. I mean, the the the, the, uh, the clues in the name of social proof, isn't right. it? Gail, Gail saw the, the proof of everything. She's quite fond of saying that she didn't actually invent a lot of the things that we're actually marketing as products mm-hmm. now. The the evidence was there in social media. Mm-hmm. The, the the social media is a place where. Uh, consumers every day are articulating their unarticulated needs. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. companies don't need to do market research. They just need to look at social and see what people are doing and saying and what they're, how they're behaving and, and what their beliefs are. That's, that's the call to the brand. Mm-hmm. Well said. Yeah. yeah. And then it <clears throat> relates to that. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that. Um, I, I'm, I'm curious. I want to keep talking about um, kind of, you know, the start of your business and how that developed, but I, I'm really curious to part of, Part of the podcast deals with culture and how we, you know, how we influence others and those around us. So for you two, <clears throat> once you launched, you launched Collie Power. And so how many years did it take you to really scale to where you are now? And then how many, how many employees do you guys have um, currently? Yeah. So, um, you know, somehow, you know, since, you know, our very beginning, I have convinced, managed to convince 50 of the best and brightest, you know, team members in the industry to come join Collie Power. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think part of what makes our culture so unique is really they come from such different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. You know, some people come with lots and lots of food experience. We just have this wonderful woman who just joined us from Conagra. And on and people, we have yeah. people from craft and and and, and a awesome. lot of big CPG. But we also have a lot of people who, like me, just wanted to start over, wanted another chance to reinvent themselves, and just was really passionate mm-hmm. about you know turning their life upside down and trying something new. And so I think what makes the Kali Power culture so unique and wonderful is that it is made up of so many different talented and diverse people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of people would also say that they've, they've 
they've made a deliberate change from a job where they felt that they didn't believe in the purpose of the organization mm -hmm. to one where they really believe in the purpose of the organization. They, you know, the, what, what Gail's created is a company that's trying to make, you know, everyday comfort foods healthier and better for you. And people really um, are really very much aligned and in sync with that. It's easy to get that behind vision. that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> so, sorry, Beth, but no, um, Gail, so when you're talking about your culture, I'm curious, I think, you know, at Soapbox here, we have some kind of non-negotiables and like some guiding principles, but maybe could you explain a little bit about what some of those non-negotiables are for you guys and your company? Like what, what is it that makes your culture unique and such an attractive place? Like how did you attract those 50 people mm -hmm. to come and work for you? <clears throat> mm -hmm. I think it's, it's really, you know, uh, three things. One, and I think Stuart, you know, hit the nail on the head. You know, we've always been a very mission-driven company, a very purpose-driven company. From the day we sold our first pizza, we give a percentage of our sales to build teaching gardens in underserved schools across the country. And, you know, that not only was important to me, but that is a, you know, key tenant to you know, everything we do and, and people were really drawn to the company, I think, because of that. The other thing is, you know, I remember very early on, maybe we had four or five employees. We were sitting around a table one day and someone had a crazy idea. I can't even remember what it was. Someone had a crazy idea and we sort of all looked at each other like, oh, do we have to ask somebody to do it? <laughs> and, um, you know, we did it. Yeah. And, you know, we all had come from different environments, of course. Yeah. And it, it's really the ability to take risks, to continuously innovate. You know, we are a, a company that is obviously, you know, built on innovation and it's core to who we are. Yeah. But it's innovation with a big eye, not just in our products, but how we run the company. And innovation comes from every pore, you know, there are um, different ways in terms of supply chain, yeah. in terms of how to get, you know, product from point A to point B and, and the risks that when the, and that and opportunities that we take in marketing and, mm -hmm. and other areas of sales and growth. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's people that are really drawn to the ability to have a direct impact, mm -hmm. um, you know, on people's lives and make people's lives a little bit better and, you know, use their creative, uh, cores is, 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 ha has really been quite a magical combination. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. So, you know, something that I think if you think about who the social proof listener is, you've got this kind of interesting, um, blend of people who are influencers themselves, content creators who maybe, you know, as we say, make a living from their living rooms by producing content for brands. Well, we all do that now, Indeed. don't we? Yeah, we, we have nothing else to do. We're trapped in our living rooms, right? Um, and, and then also, you know, individuals who are maybe shopper marketers by day um, or marketers or PR professionals and you know, just have a vested interest in the the world of influencer marketing and social media. And something that struck me as I've met a few of your team members um, literally in the aisles of trade shows is that they are full of just boundless energy, like bouncing off the walls, <laughs> love their jobs, love the brand. Like these people, you know, I was drawn like a magnet to them because I'm so high energy myself. And so, of course, I was not surprised at all to learn, of course, you guys work for Collie Power and for, for Gail and Stuart. So 
I'm just so interested in that because, you know, individuals as brand advocates, um, that's tricky. And yet you have all of these sort of natural, enthusiastic marketers. So I'd love for you to unpack that a little bit. <laughs> I have to say, you, you, you really have hit on something that, I, that you've reminded me how much I'm missing the in-person mm, live yeah. experience, you know, the the trade shows. We would also go to consumer yeah. shows. We do the New York food and wine shows. Yes. We've done all sorts of wonderful places. So that bottom of the funnel activity, yeah. you know, the general awareness, the, the sort of the trial and experience, and then the bottom of the funnel, the purchase side of it, yeah. that middle of the funnel, you know, I really miss that. And I think you're absolutely and utterly correct. I, it, the people that we have, you know, if you're, if you're talking about non-negotiables in terms of who we hire, <laughs> If, if they can't stand behind a stand at a consumer show or a trade show and actually pitch the yeah. product, talk about the brand, and actually do it in that really authentic, genuine, high-energy yeah. kind of way that you talk <laughs> yeah. about, then they're not for us right. and, and we're not for them. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it is a prerequisite. That's great. I love hearing that. Mm, that's really I think that stands out to Nate and myself. We talk so much about our team, and he alluded to some of our values and non-negotiables, but then it extends into our community of influencers and, you know, how we treat them. You know, they can work for, there are, you know, hundreds of agencies like us, um, and they can they can certainly go and peddle their services to those organizations as well. And we, we have found that having some of those similar non-negotiables of we're very real, we're very authentic, we take good care of the influencers we hire— and in exchange, they give us their best work. And they often say, if it's down to an opportunity with company A, agency A, and Soapbox, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work with Soapbox every time. So it's just fun to hear that. I think you align with companies like yourselves where you, you see that and know that to be true. And it's evident that it's not just lip service. I also think it's like what, in some ways, it's what separates the the startups, the entrepreneurial, you know, small to mid-sized companies from like the big behemoths where it's really challenging to have that kind of personal relationship. You Mm. never get to talk to, you know, the founder of the company. In some ways there is no, in some places there are, there is no founder of the company or people who have been there from the beginning and, you know, sort of, you know, all, all really, you know, thrive on the, on the company's mission. Mm -hmm. I'm not just talking about colleague power. I'm talking about all companies in this space. And I think it is an advantage and it's one reason why consumers today, particularly, or maybe in a pre and post COVID world Mm -hmm. tend to be driven toward those, you know, smaller mission driven companies. Right. I love that. Yeah. So I've always been intrigued by people that leave their jobs, right? Leave corporate America and and venture out onto their own. When I I was in college, I um, had the opportunity to, you know, to invest or purchase a small business. And I managed a small business with my wife for five years. And then, and then I actually went to corporate America um, and then I've somehow landed here, like somewhere in the middle, which is, I think, I feel like a happy medium. Um, I I recruited you pretty heavily. I mean... (laughs) Um, but I think, honestly, I think everyone should have that opportunity to work for themselves because you learn so much so quickly. Um, but I want to hear a little bit more from you, Gail and Stuart, like what that, um, what that dive was like for you, what, what really pushed you over the edge to make you feel like you could jump, you know, um, from st- 
stability towards potential instability, right? Especially raising a family. Uh, for me, uh, I'll, I'll start and then, and then you can. So for me, it was really three reasons that led me to, to start calling power. One was, um, you know, I was really disenchanted with corporate life. I, I sort of worked my way up to the top of the firm and decided I really didn't like the view very much. And, um, so I knew that I wanted to change, but I didn't really know what that would look like. Um, you know, second was, you know, the passing of my father and he was an immigrant to this country. He started a small business and when he, when he died, something inside me really changed. And I knew I wanted to do something more meaningful. I knew I, I needed to follow in his entrepreneurial footsteps somehow. And then third was this you know, realization that I can't be the only one who thinks 90 minutes is far too long <laughs> to make a pizza press. So I put all of those three things in a proverbial blender. And what I came out with was, you know, um, I'm going to make the jump. And, um, it, and, you know, I think when I, when I really think about it, and I don't talk about this too often, but when I really think about it, the scariest part of the calling power journey for me was how close I came to not doing it. Mm. I mean, razor thin. Mm. Really? And, um, uh, and it was, uh, it was probably, you know, the best, it was definitely the best business decision I ever made. And one of the best life decisions I have ever made. Yeah. I love that. It's, it's interesting when you start considering those odds. What about you, Stuart? Yeah. Um, well, I suppose I suppose the mistake I made in my life is is being relatively successful in the in the sort of PR and marketing uh, business like Gail Gail was, but unfortunately, I was creating value for lots of other people. So when Gail decided to set up Collar Power, and I was sort of sitting in New York doing my pretty senior job, realizing that she was creating something out of virtually nothing, and mm. she was doing it for herself. I decided to stop doing it for someone else and, and go and help her do well, it. Well, I think I begged you too. You did perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know you begging me. I'm pretty sure I said, stop giving your brains to all these other people and start giving them to me. I think you said something like, and, and don't you want to live with your wife as well? I'm, I'm pretty sure Ooh. I didn't say that. Part. I think I That's just a gauntlet right there. <laughs> I love that. But the thing, I think, I think the thing that I love, I mean, at, at my um, not unadvanced years the thing that i love about the environment that girls created or the the idea of sort of doing it for yourself is that you're really learning from people all the time you know we haven't done this oh well we've got to do it we'll just we'll just sort of figure it out that yes. lovely phrase that americans use all the time when they don't we know love what it. to do it's like well yeah we'll figure it out <laughs> yeah and 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 this this bunch of people that girls hired you know i'm learning something every every day we're going to be doing some very innovative uh, work with some very interesting sort of marketing technology firms to try and sort of in, improve and increase the performance marketing aspects of what we're doing. Mm. That's stuff that, you know, we, we're just learning at learning as we go, but we're really trying to work at the bleeding edge, even though we're relatively small. Yeah. And I love working with the, with these people because I'm literally learning something every day. I've, I've learned more in the last year than I think I've learned in the last five years in my previous roles. I love that. We're, we're really passionate about that sense of continuous learning as well. I mean, it's it's really intoxicating to be able to 
infuse that in your Absolutely. in your day, right? And not just clock in and clock out, right. to your point. I love that. Right, exactly. Yeah. So speaking of kind of clocking in and clocking out and, you know, the the, the weird world right now, I um, would love to hear kind of what your day looks like in the business and not pre-pandemic. I want to hear, you know, kind of the, the ugly version, right, of what does life look like trying to run a company now? It, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> well, you're looking at it. Um, it's funny because um, it's funny. I, I always laugh when 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 someone asks me a question like that because I actually started the company in my office, hmm. which is maybe a hundred yards from here, <laughs> or, or like a hundred feet. I don't know. And um, it's funny. I remember getting this, getting our first office space, and being so excited, and like bringing the team in the office and having it. <laughs> decorating it and making it a super cool workspace. And now I'm literally like a hundred yards from where I started. <laughs> I love and, that. And the office is sitting empty. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it does become one of the things that I have noted during this time, like everybody, it all sort of melts together. Mm. I think the blessing is that we're so busy and we're trying to accomplish so much that time moves very quickly. Mm. So like I, I, I'm actually, I didn't think this was possible, but I'm actually working even more hours now than before. Cause mm. I don't have a commute. I'm right. not walking yep. to get something for lunch, you know, all that is right. just work time. So interesting. Um, but it's been nice too, because, you know, my kids have, you know, are here and I get to see more of them. And, and that's been, that's been a real blessing. Well, the truth, the ugly truth is that Gail, Gail wakes up at about 5 a.m. and starts doing emails. So I, I, I eventually crawl out of bed at some really late hour, like 7 o'clock in the morning right. and start working. Um, and to be honest, the, the, the function of the company, I've been astonished how people have been uh, have, have adapted to the virtual working environment. You know, the, the things that we miss, I think, because the company works perfectly fine as it is, the things that we miss are particularly creative creativity, mm. the kind of world mm. that you live in. That is an in-person kind of collaborative kind of way of working. And we had literally just created this lovely content studio area oh. where anyone could get involved in the kind of content we created, where we oh brainstorm campaigns. And then we all went to work. <laughs> so, you know, we're, we're, we are missing some of that collaborative stuff. And I think some of that informal um Informal sort of tension and creative tension is uh, is missing, but other than that, I think the company's the working company, yeah. incredibly well. I don't actually think that there has been anything that I've thought if we hadn't been working from home, yeah, that wouldn't have happened. Yeah, nothing serious in any way, shape, or form. No, I think you hit on the on on the biggest thing we're missing. It is interesting. I mean, again, you know, just to talk about the amazing team. It's not just that we went into, you know, lockdown and and brought a company, you know, virtually just like so many people did, but it was the busiest time we've ever had. Wow. So it's amazing. Like like just as your business was like seeing, you know, being stretched and strained in so many different directions because of the pandemic and what it was like to be, you know, a food manufacturer in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> oh, let's just add bringing all Demand. that online virtually right. oh, as well. Yes, so exactly. it was this wonderfully, you know, complex mix of, you know, challenges that again, the team 
you know, did an extraordinary job. But the, the, the heroics are really happening in the supply chain. You know, the, mm. the co-manufacturers, the way that the way that they've had to adapt. You know, the uh, the fact that they've continued to go into factories to mm -hmm. make food, to put food and, and create ingredients so that so that you know companies can put food on people's plates. They're they're the heroes. Yeah, yeah, that's so interesting to hear. We I think we both probably would like to dig in a little bit more to some of the things that kind of consist of your day and and who influences you. But I have to kind of segue to, you know, you, you made that comment, Gail, about you know, how close you came to not doing this and not pursuing it. And I think it's very evident if you look at, you know, the way that um, this particular area of food has exploded, like, boy, right time, right place, right idea. And, you know, how how kind of terrifying that must be to think, gosh, this could I could have missed this. And so um, I guess I bring that to our listeners who I think so many tend to, again, be influencers, content creators, aspiring content creators, maybe marketers with a, a side hustle. Um, and I don't I think they have ideas. Right. And so I guess I would love your advice for how do you identify something workable that is white space, that is an opportunity, and take that risk? I would say uh, two things. One is um, ideas are great, but they're actually pretty cheap. Ideas are kind of a, a, a dime a dozen. Now, lots of people have yeah. great ideas. I can't okay. tell you how many people over the years have come to me and said, I thought about making, um, you know, a cauliflower crust pizza. I mean, loads. And it's funny because I remember meeting the um, uh, Allie Webb, who's the founder of Dry Bar. And I remember, and obviously I have quite curly hair. And I remember <laughs> saying to her, I should have thought about making right. a company that, you know, dries, you know, only blow dries people there. But you didn't. But I didn't. <laughs> exactly. And I think the moral uh, of that is ideas are cheap execution is everything. So having mm -hmm. a good idea is the easy part, but actually executing upon that and making the risk and taking the chance yeah. and, you know, betting on yourself, that's where the difference is. And that's the hardest part. Yeah. Great and, yeah. you know, to that, I would say, I think there are lots of people who, you know, are in this sort of space to your point where they're thinking about, should I stay? Should I go? Should I jump? Should I, you know, follow my passion? And what I would say is, you know, don't wait for some sign. Mm -hmm. Don't wait for that moment in time that where it's all going to become crystal clear because it's not. Right. It's right. kind of like having kids. If you wait for the right time, it's never going to happen. <laughs> so you might as well just make the jump and, you know, bet on yourself and, yeah. you know, try it. You know, mm. in in this business, in the world of entrepreneurialism, you know, failure is a badge of honor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You tried. I, it's I, coming, I have so. <laughs> on my team several people who tried to start their own businesses and, you know, for one re reason or another, it didn't work. But those are some of the, you know, best people I have because mm -hmm. they know what it's like. Right. They have, they have, you know, mm -hmm. they have tried and I have so much respect, so much respect for anyone who has taken a risk or, 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 or tried to, mm -hmm. to bet on their themselves. So don't wait for a sign. 
Yeah, there's a great. there's another thing to add, which I think this is a very sort of personal experience. I I, I took a I took a gardening year uh, gardening Ooh, year leave just I working for myself <laughs> in the UK, and I ended up with uh, in in a pub in a British pub with a bunch of um, people who were doing freelance work. You know, quite senior freelance work. You know, these people these were people who were doing social marketing kind of consultancy mm. and other bits and pieces. And mm. we we're all sitting around. We we're all very very busy. And I said, look we can all continue to be a little very busy on our own or we could actually band together. You know, mm-hmm. everyone when they're fully billable in their own right is right. bringing in half a million dollars, mm-hmm. 10 people. That means it's a $5 million company. And suddenly mm-hmm. it's not, it's not an income. It's not a, it's not an individual job. It's a company that has value that can sell for five times that. Mm-hmm. So that. I think people need to realize it's their time. You know, people are, are, are looking very seriously at whether the big agency model is working. So those people who are working in big agencies or thinking about going into it for or sure. thinking about leaving it, there's very valid careers for them to have on both sides of that fence. But I think there's never been a better time for people who want to be on the freelance or small agency side mm-hmm. of that fence. You know that it's you know it's not too difficult. There's a, there's a lot of money still in marketing. There's there's a there, you can True. create a little company out of you know with a couple of million dollars revenue really quite quickly and quite easily, particularly over the next couple of years. This is the time to be brave. I think. Mm, I love that. Yeah, me too. That's <clears> good <throat> stuff. What else, Nate? I think we'll probably, have to have you back on to just, just consult. Add, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, I was just going to say, you know, I think one of the unique, if you had to pick a silver lining for COVID, which you know there aren't many, but there are some. Mm-hmm. You know, one of them is that, you know, it really makes you realize the fragility of life, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that you really don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So don't wait for tomorrow, you mm-hmm. know, really, you know, do what you want today mm-hmm. because it's just, you don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and our health is so important and so unbelievably fragile that, y- you know, you just have to, yeah. you have to make the, the leap of faith. No point laboring in a role that you don't think is making you happy. Yeah. yeah exactly. Amen to that. Yeah. You know, I'm curious, um, cause you kind of alluded to that Gail, um, you know, this, obviously it's a very health centric brand and line of products. Um, I'd love for you to talk as well about some of the recent items that you launched, I want to say about a year ago. I think that's so interesting. Um, but I'd be curious as well, how do you two take care of yourselves? Do you tend to have healthy habits as you I'll attempt you to talk. run a healthy go, company go, 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 go. while he refills the glass? <laughs> well, it's hard now. I will say that. Um, let's see. Let's see. Uh, I, we, we go on walks, which is great. We're lucky. We live in Los Angeles. So the weather is pretty good most of the time. And, you know, we've, we've been able to go on walks. Um, I, I have a swimming pool that I have had for many, many years and I'm embarrassed to admit I never went in before, like rarely. (laughs) And when COVID started and everybody's looking for ways to exercise, I looked at my pool and I thought, huh. well, that seems pretty good. And <laughs> I have to say, I, I went swimming. It's it's too cold now, but I went swimming every single day for, you know, a good seven months. That's awesome. And Love it that. was amazing. Yeah. And I never would have known that about myself. I never would have, you know, tried that. So I do love that. And then I try and, um, like so many other people, Stuart just said to me, he, he literally just said to me about right before we're going on, he's like, 
I just pulled another recipe off the printer. You do know you print a recipe a day. I said, I know, I do. It's the only thing that gives me joy. I love to <laughs> I love to try new recipes and I and people have gotten so creative and you know, I just I love feeding those people I love, particularly That's really great. nutritious food. Which so, is why I have to exercise because if I don't exercise, <laughs> I'll put on 10 15 pounds. <laughs> I love it. So what do you do? How do you take care of yourself, Stuart? Me, um, I, I actually finally got myself back to doing some exercise last year. And I, I ran a couple of half marathons. I'm, I'm not actually half marathon fit at the moment. I really do have my quarantine 15 sitting just somewhere <laughs> just below where you can see. I, so, I feel um, your pain. <laughs> I'm, I'm in the middle of getting myself back to uh, back to getting on the road because during the winter, it's the right time to run in LA anyway. So mm, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's what that. that's what I do to try and keep fit. Yeah, Although I have that. to say I've taken up chess recently as well, which is not going to keep me uh, physically fit. But, <laughs> but mental, it'll mental, it'll keep you mentally fit. fit. Um, yes, that's, that's my Queen's Gambit. I knew it was going to be a reference. Yeah, we may have to come back to that because we're going to ask you a little bit about what you're reading and watching and consuming here at the end. So, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, before we before we jump into that, Gail, you mentioned um, was it your father or your grandfather? Um, yeah, that owned- my father. Your father, yes. So I'm curious, part of what we like to do is talk about the people that influence us um, and where we draw our inspiration from. So I'm curious for, for you, Gail and Stuart, like where do you, where do you find inspiration? Who's, your, who's an influence for you for good these days? Well, you know, it's interesting. You know, uh, my father is the reason I started the company. I would never would have done it if it wasn't for him. So he is my, he's the one that, you know, influenced me from, you know, beyond life. Mm. You know, I know he's up there cheering me on. You know, my only regret is that he obviously never knew that I started the company, but it was really his passing that, you know, led me to, you know, to start it. He had a small store in San Francisco, mm. and um, I used to work in the store every Saturday for $20 plus lunch. And it's interesting. It's so easy to tell a story backwards, isn't it? Because, mm-hmm. you know, I, everything I ever learned about business, I learned from sitting at the cash register, um, which I, I used to give out change starting at five years old. And so I everything I, I, I learned about business, I learned from that stool. Mm. And, but I didn't know it at the time. Uh, my, but there were so many signs. My grandfather was, when he came to this country, he was a dairy farmer. Mm. And so, you know, I actually, most people don't know this. I actually grew up on a, on a dairy farm. Oh, wow. Um, and you know, my father used to, you know, sell food was a big part of what he did. And I would go with him unknowingly at the time, because I was so young, I would go with him to like restaurants and hotels and sell this food. I didn't really know what I was doing there. But it's interesting how all of these pieces from your childhood and your early career, you know, really come to to, to make you who you are. Right. And in my case, really fortunately, you know, helped me achieve what I, what I feel I, I was actually always destined to do. Mm. That's awesome. Yeah, Love that. Incredible. Yeah. What about you, Stuart? Who yeah. influences and inspires you? It's funny. It's interesting. I don't know whether I have anyone sort of individually who inspired me to do what I've ended up doing with what seems to be a lot of my life. 
but if I look back, uh, I'm I'm very into ancestry. My you know my great grandfather was a was a farm labourer. He'd worked forty. He'd walked fourteen miles to work and back every day in the early 1900s. And my grandfather was a was a mechanic for buses, and my father was a civil servant. And then I was the first person to go to college, and I sort of went into the private sector. So I think for me, it's it's about sort of the influence really is education and how it how it provides social mobility and gives you opportunities that you never really sort of understood that you would have. Mm. So for me, education is the big influence and so not an individual. Oh, I love that. Yeah, my, my dad always used to say education is the one thing that no one can ever take away from you. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, well said. Okay, so the next uh, couple of questions we're going to kind of wrap with, but it's twofold. Um, and it's, I always like to say, you know, what are you consuming? And by that, I mean, you know, reading, watching, listening to audiobook, you know, just something that you're really into right now. And then the second iteration of that is what's a thing, you know, like a, a, a beverage or a, a, you know, habit or a hobby or something that you're really into right now. So the first is what are you devouring? And the second is something that you're really currently into. What am I devouring? Um, mm. So uh, I've just, um, <laughs> I think I did some preparation for this. And I, I, there's a book that I, I, was, I'm, I was reading. We went away to San Diego for a couple of days. I was reading this book called Black, Black and British, mm. um, obviously because it was, a, it was a hangover from all of the Black Lives Matter movements. And I wanted to understand a little bit more about the whole area and educate myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've lost it. I, I realized I've left it in San Diego. Oh. So I'm, oh, I'm no. halfway through and I've just had to re- I've reordered it on Amazon. <laughs> it's, a, it's a really interesting book because, you know, Britain's relationship with, uh, with that whole area of history is, is very sort of opaque and difficult to really understand. And there's some very good books about it. So I'm devouring that. Mm. The other end of the spectrum, uh, science, science fiction is my, uh, is my guilty pleasure. So I'm currently yeah. devouring the new, the new, the new drop of the Expanse series on uh, Amazon Prime. <laughs> I'm sure Nate's inspired. I'm looking at him because he always likes to hear. I'm a huge sci-fi fan yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> Audible. I love uh, audiobooks. Yeah. I am a sci-fi widow is what I am. I'm a chess widow, yeah, apparently. Great. Yeah, recipes and sci-fi. That's what I'm hearing. What about you, Gail? <laughs> exactly. Um, what I am into is probably not too much of a surprise. Um, I do love uh, NPR's um, How I Built This with Guy mm. Rath. I love hearing all of the story. First of all, he just has such brilliant questioning. And I yes. love hearing all the stories from these you know, um, you know, people who have built these tremendous companies and made such an impact. Yeah. And, not just the business world, but, you know, in, 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 in society. And, um, and I, and and I love that they got started just like me and Mm. not just that they got started just like me, but that they've had the same kind of trials and tribulations. It's, I think it's really easy to take a look at Caliber and think, Oh my gosh, you guys have grown so fast. It's been great. And it has been great. And it is a privilege and it's been incredible ride. But it's really, really hard. And, you know, it's every day is up and down and this challenge and that challenge. And it's just I find like every time I hear, you know, someone that I really look up to that they went through the same kind of things that Mm -hmm. I've gone through is just so reassuring and so comforting to me that I get really excited every Mm -hmm. time there's a new episode. 
I, w- I would just add in terms of science uh, influences, because you, you guys are interested in influences. I, I happened across this year a woman called Science Babe. And <laughs> she is yes, brilliant. Babe. And oh, I just love the way she's popularizing science. She's, like, awesome. she's fantastic. And also in a, in, a, in a year where or a couple of years where truth and facts have been sort of brought yeah. into question, the, the yeah. fact that there are these sort of online in, science influencers who are trying to trying to sort of re-educate all of us through social media it's like the mm-hmm. sort of the the resistance to yes, the anti-fact yeah. movement i, I love, love i love what she's doing oh i'm gonna i'm gonna certainly track her down i have a i have two girls um a 17 year old and a 10 year old and my 10 year old is an unabashed science nerd my husband is a oh, scientist he's actually a biologist and chemist so we have a very like pro-science household and a very um my daughter is always seeking individuals like that who are just putting interesting content. Oh, out, you should. So. Yeah, she's a great. Yeah. She's a great role model. Oh, I love it. Stuart won't great. tell you this, so so I will. He's probably <laughs> one of the few, uh, you know, marketing leaders who actually has a PhD in chemistry from Oxford. You're kidding. So, That's amazing. Um, no, I, I I'm not. I'm not. That's he amazing. won't tell you, so I'll go ahead and tell Thank you. Thank you for it's doing that. Yeah. I'm I'm very um, impressed. I'm married to a chemist, and I don't know what he's talking about 90% of the time. Um, and you'll appreciate we this. We can Zoom. Yeah, we can do, we can do a little let's, Zoom. Let's, 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 <laughs> I can so, yeah, he needs, to, he needs to probably get some counsel from you because um, I love that you have this PR angle as well because his running joke, which is extremely accurate— is that he gets paid to think and I get paid to th- to talk. So yeah, it's oh. <laughs> I'm okay with this. Ouch. I'm okay with this. <laughs> That's great inspiration. Thanks I, for I sharing. actually I started out in college wanting to get a chemistry degree. Did and you then, really? Yeah, and then realized that the um I, yeah, calculus was not my forte. <laughs> and so I switched to marketing. <laughs> there you go. Well, in Oxford, no less, I took, um, my daughter was extremely interested in um, attempting to get into Oxford. She's an intelligent girl. So we visited um, last year. Oh, that's amazing. That's great. Yes. So that's a whole different conversation offline with more wine. So, um, okay. So this is where I remind Nate that he also has to answer the question about. I'm ready. Okay. What are you Uh, devouring? um, Okay. So (laughs) there's this new app that I found. I, I don't know if it's new, but it's called Picture This. And you literally can snap a picture of any plant, and it'll identify it for you. Yeah, and so yeah, yeah. And I've been fascinated. It kind of goes with what I'm into right now, as I think lots of Americans are, just indoor gardening, right, and house plants, and how do we care for them? And so, with this app, you can snap pictures of them and add them to your virtual garden. Right. And then schedule the watering and fertilizing schedule with them. And um, I just love it. And you can read all about it because for ha- like a long time, I have all these plants. I didn't even know what they were half the time, you know, so. Um, and previously, so he would just show walking around snapping pictures yes. of plants, trying to figure out what, you know, what genus they fall into. There was, so. <clears throat> so there was a massive so noise glad. going on in our hedge. And I, I realized what I really want is not just picture this. I need a Shazam for animal noises. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> they probably have maybe it. Maybe that's your. Maybe that's oh, the right. company you Actually, have. Actually, no, don't publish oh, yeah. that. Okay, that's <laughs> my, that's that. mine. That's mine. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, that's mine. Hey, as your wife says, ideas are cheap, right? So, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to wait for you to do that one. <laughs> well, my um, my current what I'm currently devouring is not, I don't think, terribly um, interesting. I usually am trying to expand my brain, but. I'm reading a book. I'm listening to it actually on Audible as well. Um, Yeah, thanks. Called Bella Figura. And it's this, I'm a bit of a Francophile. um, I studied French and and lived in France and um, super fun. But this is actually kind of an Italian spin on this idea of um, making life beautiful. And it's just a very simple but interesting book about, um, particularly in Florence, but the kind of Italian perspective around you know, you do these things for yourself. You don't eat your meals standing up or, you know, drink out of a, a Dixie right. cup. You, you know, pour it into right. a proper glass and you sit down and enjoy the meal. And and you don't do that for those around you. You do it for yourself or you, you keep up your appearance, again, for yourself. You keep your home in a certain way. And it's just, it's um it's a really nice read. It's a light but very that. good read. So I'm You've been so that. cerebral lately I have. in your interests. Yeah, that's yes. not particularly cerebral, I don't think. You so. know? <laughs> oh, I feel like it's a lofty read. Oh, okay. It feels fluffy to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, guys, we loved talking with you today. You had so many interesting oh, sound bites and nuggets. So just thank you so much for taking time to join us. And actually, we want to make sure that Social Proof listeners can try Cauliflower. So I think you've got a way for them to do that. Is that right? We definitely do. All you have to do, anyone who's listening, please uh, DM us on, on any of our social channels at Cauliflower, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, what have you. And we will send you a coupon for a free product. Just all you have to do is say social proof. I love it. Love cool. it, love it. Yeah, we can't wait for more people. I can't imagine there's anyone left in America who hasn't tried your products, but we want to make sure there to fix are a that. Lot there's a few. Of, there's a few, there's a few, but you're going to help us get to them. So. That's awesome. Well, so there, I, it's a yeah, staple in my household. We we love, oh, we good. particularly love, um, well, my kids love the the simple version of the pizza most. Um, but I love yeah, that you're now doing the the crust. You've probably been doing them forever, but I just I love being able to top my own crust with cauliflower. So the excited for people to try. The crust has been very popular in COVID. I have to say, just took off. Yeah. yeah, amazing. It just took off, and you have to try our new. The, you asked of which. What did we launch this year? We launched yes. our new rice in a cup. Love it. So uh, microwavable, recyclable. Hey, God bless you on that. Uh, if I never cut up another cauliflower in my life, I will be thrilled. <laughs> right. So thank you for doing that. I for mean, me. <laughs> no, it has to be uh, food has to be easy. Yes. It has to really sit at that intersection of taste, health, and convenience. Otherwise, yes. so good. true. So true. Hey guys, thank you again. We loved having you, Gail and Stuart. Thank you. Thank Take you. It's been a pleasure. You Cheers. Thank Bye-bye. you so much. You bet. Take care, guys. Bye-bye. Stay safe. You too. You too. 